Hi, this is Nikki from Iowa, a beautiful creepster. Welcome to A Paranormal Chicks, where the only things scarier than the stories are Donna and Carrie's search histories. Donna and I'm Carrie and we are a paranormal chicks sinister sightings 102 and you just heard Nikki J and she's totally right our search histories you don't want to see them no definitely got to clear that shit out if something ever happens to us right incognito mode all the time I mean obviously you're not safe from you know uh-uh. people I mean people could find it if they needed to know yes don't do it at work and think oh, my network administrator will never be able to see it if I'm in cognito mode. Because they will. Yes. But it's just not going to save it. Mm-hmm. I don't know that by... um. We just know because we know. Yeah. Oh, my God. That would be so embarrassing, though. Oh, my God. I would die. I would literally never be the same. I will say, though, I do know that by secondhand because I had an old coworker and, like, you have to turn in your laptop when you're no longer with the company and... The network administrator was going through cleaning it off so he can give it to someone else. And there was a shit ton of porn on there and stuff. So, of course, you know your girl's going to be like, what kind? Like, what's going on? They're like, you're very invasive. I'm like, I wish I had your job because that's what I would do. Right? I need all the deets. That's all I would do. I would have so many fucking computers going being like, just checking just to see what they're looking at right i want to know i don't care i won't turn you in i want to know because i'm just fucking nosy exactly well if you want to introduce an episode just like nikki did or call us out like nikki did i mean you know if you know you know i mean if the browser history fits (laughs) true but if you also want all of the extra content that nikki's getting Head on over to patreon.com slash the APC podcast because there is an extra episode every single week that comes out. Stuff from one bonus episode that can either be paranormal or true crime, a milk cart mini that's a missing persons episode, an I Survived episode that is based on the television show I Survived, and then there's even bloopers that oh come out Lord. that are, I mean, you, you hear us. So, if you want all of that bonus content, like we said, head on over to patreon.com slash the APC podcast. You didn't mention one thing, and these are my favorite things. Oh. The extra slices. Yeah, those are second only to the bloopers. Right. Those are the things that, like, are too long to be bloopers, and sometimes they're not funny. They're just... Tangents. They're literally just, yeah. and they're too long to go into the main episode. Yeah, it takes away from the story too much or whatever. Like the last extra slice that the Creepin' Naughty Guide was all about us getting in trouble in elementary school and how it made our stomachs hurt. And uh, we still have anxiety to this day. Yeah. Those kind of things. You get to know us a little bit better. And some of those extra slices, you get to know us way too much, aka Carrie, a little too much. What can I say? I'm an open book. <laughs> okay. The first story is, what the fuck? Sinister hearing? Hey, ladies, this is insane, but I might be in the middle of a situation while writing this. 
I emailed y'all earlier today to tell you about one of the many sinister sightings I've had in my life. I'm super sensitive. All day, I've been deep cleaning my house while listening to mostly your sinister sightings episodes. I mean, all day long. I'm super obsessed with y'all and enjoyed listening all day. While cleaning my kids' disgusting bathroom earlier, I live with one grown and one almost grown boys and a girl who's a tomboy and enjoys making messes. I was listening to this one episode that was more than legit. I can't remember the exact episode number, but I just recently started listening to y'all, so today I took it all the way back to the beginning. I'd say the episode was around 11 through 13, probably of the sightings, but IDK. In the episode, she said, if you say the guy's name, etc., etc., and how sorry she was, and y'all were about to shit your pants scared. I thought to myself, fuck man, that's all I need, jokingly. Anyways, here we are, four hours later. It's 10 p.m. Picture this. I'm off work tomorrow and have a million things to do, including an online webinar for work, so I'm sitting up in bed making a list of said shit. My husband, who usually is very a light sleeper, is sleeping next to me. My daughter is the only other one home tonight, and she's in the living room watching TV on her iPad. Now, for a quick story... Two Christmases ago, she wanted this Google Home thing. I didn't want to get it, but it was on sale when I took my lovely husband Black Friday shopping with me, and he hates Black Friday shopping, but he does love fucking with me. So he bought it. Insert eye roll. Anyways, I hate the fucking thing. It's only supposed to be in her room, and I'm constantly annoyed because she'll move it from room to room and forget and leave it there. And then it picks up me randomly yelling something and I have to argue with it. Fucking dumb. Anyways, she runs to my room and looks terrified. So I look up and immediately am like, what? What's wrong? What? She's eight. So usually it's like, you know, something happened in her game or her favorite YouTuber has new merch. She looks me dead in my face and says, my Google just talked to me. I'm What? Yeah, I'm stumbling over my words like, uh, um, what the fuck did it say? My daughter, I hope you're okay. Hell to the no, no, no. Oh, oh, no. I'm like, fucking send help. Who do you call when you're the adult in this situation? Fuck. Oh, so I'm like, you can sleep in here, but all her stuff was in there. Fuck. So I gather myself discreetly so I don't scare her more and I walk to the living room like, fuck this shit. I pay my bills in this motherfucker. Ain't nobody gonna scare my kids but me, bitch. And I ripped the plug out of the wall and noped my way back to my room. I'm burning the motherfucker tomorrow. Fuck it. Sorry this was so long, but I was like, man, I didn't even say the dude's name. Why is this happening right now? But here we are. I had to let y'all know. I guess I'll work back if anything else happens, but pray for me. Amanda A. Oh my gosh. No, I don't need my AI to check in on me. I don't need that. No, no, we're okay. Yeah, I was okay before you talked to me out of the blue. Though I'm sure Alexa would do that to Carrie because she does have fits of rage sometimes when she can't say a word correctly. (laughs) Are you referring to this month's bloopers? I am. (laughs) 
one of my favorite things is my sister recorded my brother-in-law and there Alexa was like, thank you, Mark. And he was like, skirt, how'd she fucking know my name? You know, it was <laughs> yeah. like, Alexa, say my name. What's my, what's my son's name? You know, it was like trying to get her to like get all this yeah. intel and she's like, has no idea what he's talking about. Right. But it's like programmed that way like it she didn't do anything like this like this wasn't like this type of situation yeah but it was so freaking funny but this was like the uh your google home being like hey hey are you okay this was your ai having a mind of its own and that's what's scary well as long as it didn't work after you unplugged it i think you're good oh my gosh right what have you heard that wasn't nice after she unplugged it Uh (laughs) oh And then, like, how my Alexa will, like, flash green when I have a notification. Yes. And I can just be like, Alexa, what's my notification? Yes. Like, what if it just, like, started flashing green and you said, like, what's my notification? And then it's like, that wasn't nice. Oh. (laughs) No, I don't want it. (laughs) Hi, my name is Annette, and I binge listened to a bunch of your podcasts today, and I love you, too. Great stories and the way you interact is awesome. I thought I would share my biggest ghost story. I have several, but this is the main one. Sorry, but it's kind of long. I grew up in a very small college town in West Virginia. I'm talking 7,000-ish people. The college is a small private school with roughly 1,000 students. My dad taught at the college, and we lived just down the street from campus. The campus is gorgeous, built around the summer estates of two rail barons from the late 1800s. One of the houses was in use for the music classes and the counseling center. The other had been a frat house that was closed down not long before we got into town in 1968. So this beautiful old mansion was boarded up and left to vandals and nosy college students. Ten years later, I was attending college and fell into the nosy student category. One night, sorry, while it was dark, it was not stormy. Two friends and I managed to get into that house. The main doors opened onto the ground floor ballroom that was open to the second floor balcony. The ceiling went to the third floor. There was a huge fireplace at one end of the room, so big that you could walk into it. On either side of the ballroom were smaller parlors. There was a closed door in one of these. We opened it and could see the stairs leading down into the basement. One of my friends, we'll call him Bill, went down the stairs holding a flashlight. The moment he got three stairs down, I lost him. The light went out. I called out asking if he was okay. He was fine. His light was still working, but I could still not see him. Neither could our other friend, Jenny. Then we felt the blast of icy air coming from the basement. We pleaded with Bill, and he finally came back upstairs, though he felt nothing was wrong. And that was when he did it. Seeing how frightened we were, he dared the house to do its worst. We closed the door to the basement and went up the grand staircase to the second floor. Most of the second floor was made up of smaller rooms that opened onto the balcony overlooking the ballroom floor below. Standing and looking down, you could almost hear the small chamber orchestra playing as the women in their huge hoop skirts danced with the handsome men. We stood there, gazing down at the floor below with the hallway leading into the servants' quarters behind us. Unlike the lovely rooms of the main part of the house, the servants' quarters had dark, narrow hallways and smaller, cramped rooms. 
The air was musty. We heard a noise like a footfall from way down at the far end of that hallway. This was not my first time in the house. It was very popular to get in and wander around. It was not unusual to run into other students there, but you could get in deep, deep shit if campus security found you in there. Turning, we could see the shadow down the hall. Assuming that it was another student, I moved a little closer to the entrance to the servant's hallway. I shouted, hey, we know you're there and you know that we're here. We're not security. Why don't you just come join us and we'll explore together? So now Bill had dared the house to show us its worst, and I had invited it to join us. The shadow started down the hall, looking like someone who was hugging the wall on one side of the hallway. But then as it got closer, we could see that there was no one attached to the shadow. It left the wall and moved into the middle of the hall, a freestanding black man-shaped thing. I heard both of my friends gasp. I grabbed both of their hands as the thing's hands came up in front of it like it was holding a basketball. It held this swirling ball of blackness just for a moment before throwing it right at me. It hit me directly in the chest and threw me back with enough force that it broke my grip on my friend's hands. I fell back a few feet and ran like the devil was after me out of that house. I was babbling, it hit me, it hit me! over and over, and once they caught up with me, I discovered that while they had seen the shadow, once it left the wall and came out to stand in the center of the hall, neither one of my friends had seen anything. No black man-shaped thing, no black ball, nothing. It's been years since I was in that town. Now that house is the center for the college's hospitality program. I cannot help but wonder how many of the guests see or hear ghosts while staying there. Thank you, Annette. I want to know what that black mass was. Right, and why threw it at you. Whew. You're braver than I am because I would not have been able to get words out or run. It would have been like a Scooby-Doo, Fred Flintstone moment, like feet just there, like running, but in place. Could you imagine being a guest at your, like, this, like, hospitality thing? And it's like, oh, by the by, here's this disembodied shadowy thing coming right? at you. Right, <laughs> yeah. All right, the next one is called Cabin Hunting and Not-So-Friendly Ghost. Hi, ladies. My name is Claire. I just started listening to your podcast after I binged every single podcast from your friends over at Crime Junkie. Oh, hey. (laughs) Oh, yeah, our friends. (laughs) Tell them hi. (laughs) We wish. I listen all day at work because I talk so much and get easily distracted. My boss gave me, is it, did I write this email? My boss gave me permission to have one earphone in to listen to something to help me focus on my tasks. So crime and creepy podcasts, it is. So here's a couple of stories and I hope you enjoy them. I am from the beautiful state of Michigan. And a few years back, my boyfriend, now husband, and I decided to take our first vacation together. We packed our car up and drove six hours to Paradise in the northeastern part of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. If you're familiar with Michigan, Paradise is near Whitefish Point on the shores of beautiful Lake Superior, and it's near the locations of many shipwrecks, including the famous Edmund Fitzgerald. Cue Gordon Lightfoot singing. Side note, Michigan has a town named Hell and Paradise. Both are lovely and worth a visit. Anyway, back to my stories. 
We stayed in a cute little cabin right on Lake Superior, and we had heard lots of stories of the areas around there being haunted. My husband and I both love anything paranormal, but we don't go out of our way to search it out. Every single night, we both had trouble sleeping. Something about the place made us uncomfortable. Every night, we'd hear footsteps above our heads, even though the cabin was only one level. My husband saw shadows of someone walking in the living room from the light under the door and kept hearing someone constantly sitting and getting up off the squeaky love seat in the living room. Our last night there was the worst. Noises from inside, above us, and outside. Bears and moose are common in the area, so who knows on the outside noises. That morning, we got up bright and early and got everything ready in the car. I folded the blankets nicely on the bed and organized the pillows to make it easier on the couple who owned the cabins. To my surprise, there was a large blood stain on the sheets close to our heads that wasn't there before. Neither myself or my husband have ever had nosebleeds in our sleep. And even so, we barely slept that night because we were so creeped out. I had complained previously about the 10 a.m. checkout time, and needless to say, we were out of there by 8 a.m. We still love paradise, and we loved our little vacation, regardless of ghosts and blood. If you're ever in Michigan, Lake Superior is a must to visit and will make you fall in love with freshwater lakes. I saved the best story for last. Years ago, I worked as a receptionist for the local housing commission. We ran low-income housing in the area. Since we were income-based and had no leases, tenants came and went so quickly. After every tenant left, our maintenance men would go in and fix any damages, repaint, and clean. They'd walk into all kinds of messes and things left behind, like trash, broken furniture, etc. The weirdest one was walking into an apartment with satanic paraphernalia and symbols painted on the walls and floors. Not long after that, my sister and her husband and my niece, who was four months old at the time, were in between homes and needed a place to live. I was able to work with my managers and found them a townhome fairly quickly. It wasn't in the same building that the satanic items were found in, but it was near it. The place isn't the nicest, but it's clean, has security, and no lease for when they buy their new home. The townhouse was cute. It had three bedrooms, half bath downstairs, and a full bath upstairs. Almost right away, my sister and her husband started having issues. Things would end up in different places than where they put them. Things would fall down, and they would hear all kinds of noises. My brother-in-law, who is a big skeptic, was starting to believe something was going on. One evening, my sister and my brother-in-law were both standing in the kitchen preparing dinner, and my niece was asleep upstairs. They both looked straight at a black shadow dart across the living room and run up the stairs. Terrified, they both ran upstairs, assuming it was an intruder because the room was so dark. No one was there, and nothing was out of the ordinary. Every single night, around 2 to 3 a.m., my niece would wake up out of a sound sleep and stare at the wall, screaming and crying. If you're familiar with babies, there is a different kind of cry when they're scared. It's more of a shriek, and it's hard to calm them down when it happens. This was every single night on cue, and it was making my sister scared to put her to bed, even though she slept in the same room as them. 
the most unsettling thing happened in the middle of the afternoon. My sister got home from running errands and her husband was still at work. They had both been out of the house since around 9 that morning. My sister put her bags down, put the baby in the bouncer, called her husband while he was on break, and started putting groceries away. As she was speaking to him, she smelled something burning. She looked around the kitchen and thought maybe they left the coffee pot on. But there was no smell coming from that. She turned around to the gas stove and the burner was on high with a dish towel on top of it completely engulfed in flames. Luckily, she got to it fast enough to use an extinguisher and have no major issues or lose any security deposit from damage. She called me crying and distraught. We were raised Roman Catholic and were familiar with demons and how to handle the situation. We all fully believed this wasn't some neighborhood ghost. I brought over holy water, blessed salt, and she used a blessed incense her husband had from his hometown of Tebe in Palestine. He was raised Catholic also. We put the salt and holy water at all the windows and doorways and blessed the home with incense and prayers. After that, my sister had no issues. My niece stopped waking up screaming and they no longer saw or heard things. They didn't live there much longer and bought my grandparents' home a few months later. They went from a home with a bad feeling to a home that felt like it was filled with love and joy. We fully believe my grandparents are watching over their grandchildren with smiles on their faces. For now, that's all the stories I have of experiences, but I will email back with a local legend of a crazy woman living on an island with a pack of wild dogs. Thank you for making my work days go faster and keeping me focused on my tasks. Creep it real. Love, Claire. Wow. Well, first of all, thank you so much, Claire, for joining us from Crime Junkie. Yes. And we're just kidding about, like, you know, because they're Crime Junkie. Right, yeah. Wow. Well, I'm so glad that they got some peace, some freaking sleep. Oh, my gosh. She was like, if you're familiar with babies, and I'm like, nope, I'm not. I'm not at all. But even me, I could tell a difference. Yeah, I was going to say, you at least know that their cry is different. Yeah. Oh, gosh. Also, the blood. Yeah, what the what? Uh Uh-uh. Nope. Because then I would be like, oh, my God, what if that blood's been there the whole time and I never noticed it? Right. And I've been, like, sitting in somebody else's blood because, ew. Um, oh, God. Oh, gosh. (laughs) now I can't get that out of my mind. You're welcome. (laughs) Also, I get very easily distracted at work, so I completely understand the need for headphones. Because I do that too. Kim and I will be like, okay, I'm putting in headphones, or okay, I'm plugging up, because we'll we'll chat if we don't. We have to. Yeah. Okay, the next one is Demon Lake House, question mark? Hey ladies, I found you guys the last year when I started walking every day and needed a good podcast to keep my interest. I would literally walk an extra mile just to finish an episode. Now it's a habit and my dog and I are the fittest we've ever been. I'll always be an extra large pizza, but now I don't feel like I'm dying quite as much when I'm on top. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, girl, yes. feel that in my freaking... Soul. (laughs) Right? (laughs) Oh, my gosh. I have a lot of stories, 
One about the time that I ate birthday cake with a murderer, a Sasquatch visit, my dad's encounter with Charles Manson, and of course, my own haunted house that I live in currently, but I'll send those in later. I'd like to tell you about the scariest night of my entire life. Let's jump in. Can can we go back to the dinner with a murderer? Can we go back to the birthday cake? <laughs> <laughs> What kind? Don't I like strawberry? I shall do, right out of the box. Uh, I like Dairy Queen ice cream cakes. Ugh, the worst. The absolute worst. You don't know what's good. Yes, I do, and it's not that shit. <laughs> and you can ask Colby. He hates it, too. Oh, that's so fucking funny. My husband and I rented a lake house for a week on Devil's Lake, right outside of Lincoln City, Oregon. It was super cute and cheap, so it was perfect. We had been there a few days with no incidents. Nothing even felt off. On the fourth day, my husband and I decided to leave our dog Clancy there so we could drive 30 minutes away to have dinner. We were gone for a couple of hours, and when we got back, Clancy was going nuts. I just figured he had to go potty or something, so I took him outside while my husband, James, went inside. Clancy ran along the back windows and was hopping up and down to check on James. We finally went back inside and he was still going crazy. His fur was raised. He was whining and we had no idea why. About 20 minutes later, he's still not calm, but he's sitting with me on the couch at least. I asked James to do a perimeter check just in case, but mostly because I don't want to be murdered. James goes out the side door and as he's shutting it, I see movement above it, which isn't possible because there are high vaulted ceilings. So, I dismissed it. The house is open concept. When you walk in the front door, you are in the living room, kitchen, and dining room. Between the living room and kitchen is a little hallway. The door on the left goes to the kids' room, bunk beds, toys, etc. And the door in front of you is the bathroom, and the door on the right is the bedroom we sleep in. We keep all of the doors closed when we're not using them. So now, James is back inside, and Clancy and I are sitting on the sectional couch together. He's facing the hallway, staring at the left side door, and he's whining so hard. I ask James to look in the kids' room because Clancy has an obvious issue with it. As soon as James even starts walking towards the door, Clancy is off the couch and at his heels. James opens the door and peeks inside. He immediately screams and Clancy starts running backwards, and James slams the door shut. He tells me that when he looked inside the room, he could see a dark figure in a crouching position on the bottom bunk bed. He said it felt so dark and heavy in there. As he's telling me this, we hear a crash on the table. We both look over there and watch as a dining chair gets shoved into the table. Then each of the vertical blinds starts swaying. Then this hanging chair started swaying back and forth. Then the lamp that was right in front of us turns off and the pull chain lifts up. At this point, I'm sobbing. It's 11 p.m. and we're both tired, but I'm not staying in this house and James finally agrees to leave. Can you believe he actually wanted to stay? The problem is we still have to clean it and pack our stuff before we can leave. James started packing while I started cleaning. I was doing the dishes and put the coffee pot in the dish strainer. 
It was all the way upside down, and the strainer had the barriers on the side. I watched the coffee pot roll off the dish strainer and onto the counter until it was upright and spinning. Next, I had to go get our stuff out of the bathroom. In order to get there, I had to walk by the room. When I walked by, I heard a low growl. Fucking yikes. I throw all of our shit in the bag and run out of there. As I'm running by the room, I hear really slowly, knock, knock, knock. Fuck this, we're out. We didn't clean everything and I'm sure we left stuff behind, but I couldn't be in that house for another second. We had to drive over an hour back to our house and it took 30 minutes after driving away from that house for Clancy to stop staring out the rear window and for me to stop shaking. When we got home, I let Clancy out to go potty before bed, and he was attacked by a raccoon and ended up at the vet hospital with stitches. (gasps) Worst night ever. Thanks for reading my story, and I attached a picture of Clancy because he's the best boy saving us from the demon, and he recently saved me when we were attacked by another dog. Let me know which story you'd like to hear next. Kim. And y'all, Clancy is, I don't know if he's a mix, but he looks like a pit. And he's blonde, like that blonde color. And you know, pits are always smiling when they open their mouths anyway. Mm-hmm. But he's like in the sun, so his eyes are closed. And he's just smiling, and he just looks like the goodest boy ever. No. Well, Bo does that, like, you can really tell on the short-haired dogs like that. Colby calls it, he gets his mohawk down mm-hmm. the back of his, like, his back. Yeah, I mean, I know cats and stuff do it too, but... Oh, God, cats are funny when they do it. But I'd really never seen a dog do it, like, as intensely, like, Mm -hmm. until Bo. And, I mean, he'll do it just if he doesn't like who's just coming over. Or if he... Yeah. If he just hears somebody at the neighbor's house that... Because we have the privacy fence. And if somebody's at the neighbor's house and he doesn't... It's like he doesn't understand that that's not his house. You know, he thinks yeah. it's like, oh, somebody's here. Uh, let me protect my house. And it's mm-hmm. like, no, no, that's the neighbor's house. Quit freaking out. Put your mohawk down. Yeah. Gosh. Well, I'm glad Clancy did save y'all. Yeah. Dogs fucking know, man. They really do. Uh-uh. And crouching, like anyone crouching like no, that, that's, that's no. so oh. First of gosh. all, I mean, are you a catcher at a baseball game? Because that hurts your knees. No, thank you. <laughs> you should not be crouching. <laughs> Ouch. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, we want to hear all the stories. Yeah. What do you mean? Which one do I want to hear next? I don't fucking know. Send them all in. What do you mean? I got to pick? <laughs> like every one of them. <laughs> this one is called Kieran and the Crazy Ass Cats. Hey, y'all. It's me, your witchy little friend, Willow from Tucson. So today I'm going to tell you a little story about my wife, Kieran. So, back about 10 years ago, Kieran was married to my bestie, Raven. They lived in a nice little condo with all the babies, both human and fur. Kieran had fallen asleep in her recliner, watching TV in the front room. Raven was sitting at the kitchen table, enjoying the silence, when all of a sudden, their kid's cat, Obi, as in Obi-Wan, let out a warning growl, and as Raven looked up, she could see that her hair from the Tip to tip was standing on end. Oh my what gosh. What We just said that. Yes. The cat normally really didn't like Kieran, but for some reason, she was on her, preparing for battle. 
As Raven watched, Obi became fixated on a spot right in the middle of Kieran's chest and soon chased whatever the batshit crazy cat was looking up straight up her chest, over her head, and up the wall. She literally hit the wall trying to chase whatever it was out. Mind you, Kieran is not waking up, and Raven is getting worried. A really strong shake, and she finally did wake up. She said that she was watching Obi, and she was screaming for Raven, and she couldn't hear her, and she was freaking the fuck out. Kieran had been sleeping a lot, and soon found out why. She was diagnosed with stage 3 non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. The spot on her chest where Obi was fixated is the exact spot where they would do her radiation. Thankfully, she survived the cancer and never had a relapse. Fast forward 10 years, and I'm sitting in my room, and Kieran was crashed out. My cat was my cat, and a picky bitch about who she would let touch her or hold her. So this night, I was kind of tripping out because she was curled up next to Kieran's head, making dough. I kind of watched for a minute, and then all of a sudden, she grabbed her head with all four paws and started going off, kicking and batting at her, screaming and growling the whole time. Kieran didn't wake up. As I rounded the bed to get to her, Artemis bolted out the door and through the house, hissing and snarling the whole time. Then went back to Kieran and came up on the bed and started licking her. It took me a minute to get her to wake up, and when she did, she knew that Artemis had gotten her again, and she was having sleep paralysis. She was screaming my name and said I couldn't hear her. Maybe two months later, my beautiful Kieran had a massive stroke at the age 46 and passed away. Makes me wonder if the cats knew. As I said in another letter before, Kieran was suffering from bipolar schizoaffective disorder and hallucinations, so sometimes her meds would cause her to sleep, which is why it took me a moment to realize she wasn't making noises, but the cat. I know this one is a little, okay, a lot of crazy, but such is my life. I hope you enjoyed. Trust me, there's more. Oh, so much more. Keeping it creepy, Willow. Oh, the cat's freaking new. Totally new. Like, Carrie literally said that about the last email. And it just goes to show you, yes. When it's like dogs that they can train to smell when your blood sugar's Mm -hmm. too high or too low. Because they can sense the smell of like the protein or whatever. You know. Yeah. Yeah, I, I firmly believe that they could tell. Definitely. I'm so, so sorry for your loss. Yes. That's so scary. And not fucking fair either. I mean, I know life's not fair, obviously, but it's like for one person to have to go through so much yeah, just fucking sucks. And it's just not fucking fair. Okay. The next one is Haunted Neighborhood. Hi, ladies. My daughter turned me on to your podcast. I have so many stories about our house that was newly built just like every other house there. Anyway, when we moved in, in 1977, my son was two. I loved my new house until the creepy things started to happen. In one bedroom, with no one in it, I heard a terrible crash. I thought one of the neighborhood kids had broken a window with a baseball or something. I ran in, nothing was broken, and everything was fine. 
Strange things kept happening. Very weird. My young son would wake up in the middle of the night, run down the hallway screaming. Totally freaked me out. I would go to him and he wasn't awake. He was sleepwalking. This continued all the time. I worked days, so I cleaned my house in the evenings. I was on my knees in the bathroom, cleaning the tub, and I would get a chill down my spine. I turned around and jumped out of my skin. My little boy would be standing there, staring at me. I would walk him back to bed because I heard never wake someone up that was sleepwalking. I would go on with my chores. I was at the sink washing dishes, and I would get another chill. Sure enough, there stood my son. It was so creepy. Things were happening mainly pertaining to my child. Our home, I learned, was built on an old plantation. I asked my neighbor if anything happened unusual in her home with her son, who was the same age as mine. They were only four years old. My neighbor said she had a ghost in her house, and she called him George. He would open all her cabinets in her kitchen, and she would close them, go into another room, come back, and all the doors were open. She proved it one evening when I was there— All the cabinets were closed. We went into the living room. About 15 minutes went by. We went back into the kitchen and all the doors were open. She also said her son was pestered all the time in his room by something. He wouldn't sleep unless the light was left on. Come to find out, several of our neighbors had the same thing going on. Linda, another neighbor, contacted the town's local historian about these hauntings. What we found out was our homes were built on an old plantation from the 1800s. The wife of the owner had an affair with one of their slaves, and she got pregnant. Her husband found out about it, killed her, the baby, and the slave. The slave's name was George. There were eight families, mine included, that all had children around the same age. So we believe that the woman was either looking for her baby, or it was the owner, who was so wicked, was hunting our houses, or both. We have a friend who lives there now, and she has small children, and the hauntings are still going on. I'll send you another story, same house, when something grabbed my husband's feet and was pulling him out of the bed. Thanks, ladies. Love your podcast. Mary H. from Kentucky. Things are going on in Kentucky. This is the, like, second one we've had this episode. Mm-mm. Uh-uh. I don't need anything dragging me out of bed. <laughs> But, but we do need that story, though. Yeah, I mean, send that. Absolutely. <laughs> Having that chill down your spine. But then, you know, like, in the back of your head, you're like, okay, I'm going to look, and nothing's going to be there, and it'll all be good. But then you look, and there's something there. And, oh, yeah, it's your child being all creepy and silent. Right. But it's like, oh. it's your kid, so you. it's like, oh, okay, it's my kid. No, but they're being really fucking weird. You know? <laughs> yes. So it's like, oh, okay, my kid. Oh, no, 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 they're weird. Yeah, <laughs> They're just staring at me. Oh, God. And then you're like, God, I feel bad because it's my kid. But like, why are they acting so fucking weird, you know? <laughs> oh, my God. Oh. Oh, but yes, send the, all the emails in. Okay, the next one is called Miss Piggy. Hello, beautiful ladies and all those creeping in the shadows. Do you ever feel like you need to let out a huge sigh before you even share an experience? Now that I have that out of the way, I have to preface this. I do not want my name shared. In fact, delete this email and burn anything related to it. As we get into these events, you'll understand why I have so much paranoia about sharing. Basically, I do not want to be locked up, studied, or used by our government in any way. 
I know I sound paranoid, delusional. However, others experienced this with me. So if I'm delusional, they are too. I will freely admit to the paranoia. Hopefully, my paranoia won't bleed into your lives. What? I'm serious. Delete this email and burn it after you read it. Buckle up, buttercups. I wanted to say bitches, but I didn't want to offend anyone. You've not heard one like this before. Oh my gosh. Like, that's what they say. Okay, sorry. Had to do it one more time. To set the scene, these occurrences started when I was a preteen in 1987. My family moved to rural Appalachia from a major city on the West Coast the previous year to escape some rather unbelievable circumstances I wouldn't be privy to until much later in life. These details aren't important to this tale. Just know my life, crazy and unbelievable. Oh wait, I unintentionally lied. They are a little important. On a Thanksgiving, nearly two decades later, I learned from my brothers that my family was fleeing from organized crime that rhymes with Heine's coffee. Yeah, seriously, my life could be turned into multiple movies. Can you say it best? Can you read Mad Libs that? Because you know I can't read the Mad Libs. You got to read them and let me hear it. Say it. Heine's coffee. Heine's coffee. Heine's coffee. It rhymes with. Chinese coffee. Chinese mafia. Chinese mafia. Okay. I still don't know all the deets, but this led us to move with little money as we left in a hurry. Also, someone was squatting in the house we were going to move into. Instead of simply leaving when they learned we were moving in, they burned the house down. The house was owned by my grandmother. Lucky for us, she had another house that was down the road from the one that was burned. It was a shitty little house, no running water, not enough bedrooms for my family, no heating, no AC, no insulation, but it was ours. All of that to say, we were fairly fucking poor, and we were living in shit. So I learned not to expect things from my parents. I didn't ask for extra toys. I didn't ask for games. Hell, I didn't even ask for snacks or fast food when we barely had food in the house. I didn't ask for anything above what we needed for survival. Before we moved, one of the things my siblings and I loved was Saturday morning cartoons. They were the fucking best in a time before Cartoon Network and Boomerang and Cartoons on Demand. My absolute favorite was the Muppet Babies. The Muppet Babies, we make your dreams come true. Muppet Babies will do the same for you. So when McDonald's announced they were releasing Muppet Baby Happy Meal toys, I was super stoked. Then reality hit me. We were still poor as fuck. I'd never have them. Hell, the only way I was even watching this fucking commercial was because my dad illegally hooked up our cable line with a pair of roach clips. Sorry for the R word, Donna. What the fuck are roach clips? Like an alligator clip? Are you serious? I'm dead serious. What the it's fuck is a roach for clip? weed. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking like like for, like a chip bag. <laughs> you know you're fat. Weed, you go straight to a chip bag. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I, okay, I do know what a roach clip is. Can you stop saying the R word? 
Okay, legitimately, I went straight to a chip bag. Like, Literally. Like chip clips. Oh, my gosh. You know you're fat when. <laughs> it didn't even dawn on me pot. Like, I went straight to potato chips. Oh, my gosh. Well, I'm a fucking moron. Well, when you said the R word clips, I, my face goes, <gasps> and then you said sorry for the R word, Donna. I was like, at least, at least they know. At least they know. But then Carrie didn't even know what the fuck they were. Like alligator clips? And that's how I was like, are you serious or are you just making a funny? No. No, no, she was serious. Because okay. she knew. She just didn't know. <laughs> I just didn't put two and two together. <laughs> Let me move on. I know you may be thinking, where the fuck is this story going with a setup like this? Deep down, dark rabbit hole, one I may have accidentally created. It was a day of sadness for me when the first toy was released. For reasons unknown to me, my oldest brother, I'll call him Kermit, came to me with an idea. Our parents, who rarely went anywhere together without at least one of us kids, had left us all home alone. Kermit sat me down and told me he had the power to mentally tell my parents to stop at McDonald's. How? I questioned. Sit down and relax. Concentrate on locating mom and dad with your mind. Once you feel you have found them, tell them to go to McDonald's and get us all Happy Meals, Kermit replied. Kermit is five years older than me. Growing up, he was like my third parent, and I typically listened and obeyed him as such. I looked at him incredulously, however. We were still poor as fuck, Mom and Dad still didn't have jobs. You can't buy Happy Meals with food stamps. How the fuck would they be able to buy not one, but four fucking Happy Meals for me and my siblings? You can do it. You have nothing to lose if it doesn't work, he encouraged. Okay, I said after I let go of every rational thought telling me this wouldn't work. I sat down in our living room and my siblings surrounded me. I closed my eyes and I relaxed. I was concentrating, as Kermit said. Soon, I felt like my body was weightless. All I could see was cloudy darkness, but I was able to find my parents' energy. I felt like I was in the same space as them. I repeated over and over to them, go to McDonald's, get us a Happy Meal. Go to McDonald's, get us a Happy Meal. After a while, I felt a weird tingle in my head, and I felt my message was received. I opened my eyes and said, it's done. I went about doing whatever 12-year-old girls do until my parents finally arrived home with our motherfucking Happy Meals. Muppet Babies make our dreams come true. Muppet Babies will do the same for you. What in the actual fuck? Kermit was right. Or was this all an elaborate plan to fuck with my gullible ass? Well, if it was all fake, my Miss Piggy ass didn't care. I had a Happy Meal. I hadn't had fast food in over a year. I had my first, oops, foreshadowing the foreskin, Muppet Babies toy. I was on top of my little world. We were all so excited for this rare treat that we did not even tell my parents what I did. A week or so later, even though this was extremely uncommon, my parents again left the house with us at home. After they left, I found myself with all three of my siblings surrounding me, asking, or rather begging, me to do it again. Even though I didn't think I could, I sat down and tried it again. When our parents came home with more Happy Meals, I didn't know what to think. My mind was blown, 
but again, I didn't really care as I scored my second Muppet baby. Another week or so passed, my parents left us home again. So you guessed it, I did it again after my siblings begged me. This time was different for me, however. I knew if it worked this time, this was serious and real. I may be messing with something I shouldn't be. If it worked this time, this wasn't a coincidence. This wasn't some elaborate prank. This was real fucking real. So when my parents walked in with Happy Meals this third time, I was honestly really fucking scared. This was all real. How the fuck was I doing this? How the fuck did my brother know I could do this? I was in my own little misery as everyone happily chowed down on their food. The following week, you guessed it, my parents left us home again. McDonald's had released the fourth and final toy, Kermit on a skateboard. I dreaded the inevitable. Miss Piggy, please, you have to do it one last time. Then your collection will be complete, Kermit pleaded. No, I responded. Please, pleaded Animal, my other brother. No. My sister, Fozzie B., looked up at me with her big, sad eyes. I want a Happy Meal. I don't care. I can't do it again. Please, 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 they all begged. No, you do it. That day, my parents returned home. They arrived empty-handed. My siblings looked at me in disappointment. I felt like I let them down, but also like I was messing with shit I didn't need to be messing with, all for the sake of fast food and toys. To this day, my collection is incomplete. Yes, these many years later, I still have Baby Piggy in a pink car, Baby Fozzie on a yellow horse, and Baby Gonzo on a green trike. The story could end here, but it doesn't. Maybe a year later, my family was enjoying our free cable with a little family feud. Ray Combs, rest in peace, was the host then. I'm sure I had seen an all-male family on the show before, but I can say they weren't as hot as the family on this night. All hot men, and they were all funny to boot. My whole family seemed to be rooting for them. I don't remember their last names. Maybe someone with good Googling skills could find this out for me. I'd love to rewatch these episodes. Much to our dismay, the hot, all-male family lost. Kermit took it the hardest. Miss Piggy, you have to do it again. You have to. He demanded with little desperation in his voice. Do what? What are you talking about? You have to do what you did before when you made mom and dad go to McDonald's to get the Muppet Baby Happy Meals. I'm not making them do it again. No, you don't understand. I need you to use your gift again. But do it a little differently, Kermit explained. I need you to concentrate, go back in time to the Family Feud studio in California, and yell out an answer to bring them back. Confused, I asked, what? You can do it, Miss Piggy, he said. You can bring them back. You just have to concentrate, go back in time, and yell out an answer in the studio. They will think the other team cheated. They will bring them back. You have to. I didn't learn until several years later that Kermit is gay. He was mad crushing on these guys so badly that he asked me to do the impossible. Travel through time. Kermit begged relentlessly until I just complied just so he would shut up and leave me alone. I didn't think it was possible after all. I sat down, relaxed until I could no longer feel my body. I found myself back in the cloudy darkness just like the first time I did it to connect with my parents. This time, I could sense I was high and there was a ceiling directly above me. I felt the energies of others below me and I could sense the direction of the stage. I repeatedly yelled an answer the opposing team used during the game. 
I felt my message was received. I came back to myself. It's done. Thank you, Kermit said relieved. At this point, you should realize what's going on here. I don't have to tell you what you already know. That night, we watched Family Feud in utter amazement. I'm not sure if Ray Combs announced it this night or one of the other two nights. The hot, all-male family came back without winning, but he said someone kept saying the answers in the audience. He said they could not find the source no matter how they tried. He said, in fairness, they brought the losing family back. The fourth and final time Kermit asked me to bring them back, I refused. I kept thinking, at what cost? The next night, we watched the feud. The hot, all-male family finally did not return. I thought my life would return back to normal, but soon I would partially learn at what cost. Okay, so my family watched a lot of TV. Don't judge. When you're dirt poor, live in the boonies, and something is roach clip free, you ride till the wheels fall off. Sorry again, Donna. (laughs) She literally like turned and looked at me when I said the word. As we're gathered around the boob tube to enjoy a little jeopardy, after they announced the host name, Kermit, Fosby, and I all exclaimed the same thing. Alex Trebek? You may be wondering why we all three shouted the same name. You may notice nothing unusual about the host names. However, before I fucked with shit I shouldn't have, his name was Alex Trevec. It was with a V and not a B. Sometimes I still slip up and call him the name I used to know him as. The same thing would happen again. While watching the NBC Nightly News, we discovered that Tom Brokaw with a V was now Tom Brokaw with a W. I don't know what I did to change things, But I feel I don't belong here in this reality or dimension or whatever thing makes this place different from the one I started out in. I don't know if I swapped places with another Miss Piggy. I don't know if I caused a bigger mess. And these two changes were small reminders to me from some cosmic cleanup crew to never fuck with time travel again. I've searched online to see if I could find anyone else affected by the Mandela effect I caused. I have found no one other than my own family affected. Thank you, ladies, for providing a safe platform for me to share this anonymously. I've thought about sharing this for a while, but I haven't because I'm really afraid of getting weaponized study or thrown into an institution. Miss Piggy can't handle getting anal probed at this point in her life. Until then, delete this, burn this, keep it away from men in black, and stay creepy, bitches, or buttercups if you prefer. Miss Piggy from a different verse. I was so going to say, I've never heard of that, like those two being part of the Mandela effect. Have you? No. That is wild. Wow. I have, like, I have no words. I don't even know. Me either. But I want to know how your brother knew. You know what I mean? Like, knew that you yeah, have could you, do it. Yeah. Have you, like, gone back and been like, Vazi? No, Kermit. How did you, how the fuck you knew? Yeah. Follow up with that, because I want to know that. Also, it always seems like three times is okay, but by the fourth time, like, you have that gut feeling of not doing it. Yeah. So I wonder, like, what that significance, if any, is. See, and I was thinking, like, where are your parents going? Like, why? Like, it seemed like they were, like, every couple weeks going somewhere together. Mm. So that seemed more important 
Oh, true, true. You know? Yeah. This one is 20 plus years of a friendly ghost. Hey, you beautiful ladies. I recently found your podcast and I'm obsessed. You ladies are hilarious and have such great topics. Funny story, I myself am an extra large pizza and recently used that phrase at work, which was met with blank stares. I then explained and told them about this podcast, so hopefully you'll get some new listeners. I decided to send in my story about what I believe was a loving granny ghost that watched over me for years. This is a bit of a long story since it spanned over 20 years, so here goes. I was born the youngest of three daughters to my parents. My sisters and I are all 18 and 19 months apart. Apparently, my parents wanted to knock all the kids out quickly. So when I was born, my parents had three kids under the age of four. This is important because of the facts that follow. Around this time, my sister started telling my mom about playing with our grandma in the attic. Keep in mind, both sets of grandparents were and still are very much alive. One thing to know about my mom is she is a very religious woman who does not like when I talk about these stories because she has no logical explanation. Also, because of her beliefs, there was never mention of ghosts, spirits, anything creepy. As time went on, there was always casual mention of our grandma who always played with us when our parents were fighting. Side note, my father was a very abusive man verbally to my mom and every type of abusive towards me and my sisters. So needless to say, we played with this lady quite a bit. And being raised without a mention of ghosts, spirits, or anything creepy, not even R-rated shows, movies, etc., It was really hard to explain away how three young children could make something like this up. My mom thought it was the woman who my dad had bought the house from because the elderly lady who owned the house had died in the house, which we found out many years after we moved out. One of the incidents that stands out was our neighbor asking my mom how long our grandma was in town because she had seen her sitting in the rocking chairs in the upstairs window earlier that day. But none of our grannies were over. When my parents decided to sell the house, my mom was awoken one night hearing crying. Thinking it was one of us girls, she sat up in bed and saw, sitting at our kitchen table, a figure. Her bedroom was right off the kitchen. No wonder she wanted to sell. The sound was definitely coming from whatever was there at the kitchen table. My mom refuses to say ghost, but we know that's exactly what it was. We ended up selling the house, and as we grew up, the activity seemed to lessen. Not disappear, but lessen. Lights turning on and off on their own, things going missing, then showing back up in an obvious spot. I think we all just got used to it. Fast forward to me being 19, dumb, and dating, for the lack of the better word, a total douche. But we all know how we ladies can get dick dumb, so I blame that. (laughs) (laughs) Totally know that. And the fact that I was desperate to move out of my parents' house because it was just a bad situation. Me and my ex had been dating since my senior year, and the next logical step was to move in together. I loved our apartment, but my ex hated it. He said he could never find anything when he needed it, but it would always turn up in random spots that he swore he had checked. He also said he always felt uneasy. I only felt uneasy when he was home. The place always felt lighter when he was out. I know this was my ghost granny looking out for me. 
After two years of living together, he cheated on me with a coworker and moved out. Even though I was sad and pissed, I knew I was better off. My ex was always super critical about my weight, looks, personality, and pretty much everything about me. Hello, girls who date their dad and try to repeat the cycle of abuse. That's what she said, not me. (laughs) After he moved out, things were quiet, and only the occasional activity occurred. Nothing too scary to me, but it took a while for my new roommate to get used to it or friends who stayed over. Fast forward to me at 31, just having moved away from my hometown and meeting my now husband. Ladies, let me tell you, I was blessed the day I met this man. He is the most caring, loving, perfect for me man I could have ever hoped for. He took me to a haunted house on Halloween for our first date, and for us spooky bitches, that's pretty much the perfect first date. I have to brag a little bit because we're newlyweds. Anyway, right after our first date, I started to notice a lack of activity. No more light left on that I swore I had turned off. No more misplaced books, keys, etc. I fully believe my guardian granny knew that this guy was a good one and she no longer needed to watch out for me. I've been with my guy for three years now and haven't had any experiences since we met. I sometimes miss the little signs from her, but I hope she was finally able to cross over and enjoy the other side. Thanks for taking the time to read this story, and I apologize for the length. You ladies are my favorite people to listen to during the day. Keep up the amazing work, you beautiful ladies. Sam. Well, sometimes spirit knows exactly what you need before you know what you need. Sometimes, uh, all the time. True. Yeah. But, oh my gosh, well, one, I'm glad that you found the perfect for you, man. Exactly. Best feeling ever. In a. (laughs) 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 That, like, that took me a second. (laughs) That's a good story, but a hard story because, you know, so many times people, you know, like, you hear stories like that where there's a spirit there that is nurturing to kids in like a domestic abuse situation or, you know, just any, any kind of stressful situation. Mm -hmm. Also though, it kind of makes me wonder if y'all caused a little bit of the stuff to go missing and turn back up kind of like poltergeist activity a little bit, just because it was a hectic environment right then. I don't know. Like, it might not have been the granny ghost doing that activity, like misplacing the items. Well, thank y'all so much for sending all of these stories. I love it when they, like, when there's a theme, even though there's not a theme because we literally, I know we always say this, but we literally read all the stories that we get in the order that we get them. So it's just amazing when there's a little bit of a theme or some consistency to the stories. I don't know. It's just, yeah. Wowza. Synchronicity, as Donna says. Mm-hmm. So thank y'all so much for sending in all these stories. Keep them coming. Aparanormalchicks at gmail.com. And remember, creep it real and, and don't, don't get scared. scared.